When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command, Craig Hoffman with you and joining me in studio here at Odyssey DC Sports HQ Building Center. Official name. Send up the bat signal. It's Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Michael is here because uh, he was he was doing something around the corner, and we were going to do this over the phone slash Let's over go. our traditional recording platform, and we're like, hey, you want to just you want to sit across from each other and talk? Uh, and Michael is here because Logan is at Tight End U down in Florida, which is very cool, very excited to hear about that and the stories he's got going to come home with next week. Logan and I did, however, record something earlier in the week that is very fun. Obviously, Michael and I get to talk about the not fun stuff. We get to talk about <laughs> the congressional hearing. Although, admittedly, Michael, there is some fun stuff in there. I, we're going to find a gem or two. I, I'm excited to hear about tight end you. That's, I mean, that's good stuff. Sounds like a story you could write. That's a story. Maybe a little plug for the podcast. We need somewhere to get down to tight end you next year. Yeah, the, it, on location. I just meant interviewing Logan. That way, we could plug the podcast. But you know, if you want to, you want to go down there yourself, do it your way. <laughs> you know, have fun. Uh, but. Logan and I uh, drafted a team of NFC East skill position players, and we did it like those things that you see on uh, on Instagram and on, on Twitter where it's like, you got $10, here's the $4 players. So first we had to argue about who was, who goes where. We actually had a fair amount of agreement on that. Sure. And then we drafted our teams. I like my team better than his. He likes his team better than mine, which I think that's that's content, Michael. That, that's good radio. Um, that's is it legends or current players? Uh, no, it's just uh, it's just current players. So yeah. is is literally the current NFC? Like, what's the best team you can build under our made up salary cap with our made up contracts in the very real NFC East? I'm a, I'm gonna listen to that. I will listen to that. Uh, it's coming up after this. <laughs> Once I put this out. Uh, by the way, uh, we, we got graphics for it and everything. Uh, those will be up on a brand new Twitter feed for me, uh, at Hoffman Show, because the Hoffman Show is now a thing. Uh, I think we, we announced this later in the podcast because we recorded that earlier in the week, and that's how time works. Uh, but as of 3.30 today, we'll have announced this uh, on air to so, the world. so everyone will know. But I am taking over afternoons, uh, three to six on the team nine eighty, which is very exciting. Yeah. And uh we will I still will be doing this podcast, so that is also very exciting. Uh, and we we're figuring out how the two will mix, both in my own personal schedule and uh in terms of content. But very excited for that. Uh so I will put on Twitter at Hoffman Show the graphic and so you can make your own team and Logan and I will take a look at some of the teams that fans make and listeners make on Monday's show. Uh, and then, of course, we'll post them up on Instagram as well. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I will accept that before going, okay, time to, <laughs> time to do this. Roger Goodell goes virtually to Congress yesterday. And I think what emerged, like when, what I came out of that with was a big giant question of what is legal and what is not. And I actually have a my mother-in-law or my future mother-in-law uh, getting married in two months, so future mother-in-law still. How are you congratulating uh, on that? You don't get two congratulations yeah, I, on one true. show. Good. Don't push thank, your luck. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was talking to her about it because um, she's a lawyer, and what I came to understand after watching the hearing and then talking to her is timelines are going to become very important here as this investigation continues. Obviously, the hearing yesterday, there are some headlines, but I think what was more... What's a bigger deal is the research and investigation, I guess, findings that came out that morning and obviously Will Hobson's story that came out the night before and hearing about some of the things that are witness intimidation potentially and, and, you know, obstruction of justice as there is a congressional investigation happening at some point, it starts. And if some of these things are ongoing during that, did Dan Snyder in an attempt to cover up 
what he says were not crimes because he didn't do them, subject himself to crimes. And a couple of key takeaways from that. One, if it was just attempts to uh, interfere with the Wilkinson investigation, there's no criminality there because it's a private investigation. It's stupid. They're paying Wilkinson to do the investigation and then out of the, another pocket paying another law firm and private investigators to interfere in said investigation. So it is very dumb. However, it is not criminal unless they interfere with the congressional investigation, in which case, yeah, that's a federal crime. That'd be bad news for Snyder. The other thing to remember, too, is, you know, Snyder sitting there, you know, trying to keep some distance by using lawyers, using private investigators. And you cannot have a lawyer do something for you that you cannot do yourself. That does not get you out of the criminality. So I'm just I'm putting that out there to you, Michael. Yeah. As you took in everything that happened, like what were your, some of your takeaways and your reaction to that part of it? Sure. So the team's version of event, the, the, sorry, the Snyder version of events here is pretty simple. Right. Bad things happened. I found out about those bad things. I fixed them. And now good things happen, or at least better things. Right. Um, and, and so, sure, you know, you take that at face value. What The two things we learned yesterday uh, that were interesting to me happened after the good things portion of that timeline. So after the Wilkinson investigation begins, when Jason Wright has taken charge, has reformed the building, that's when we have, uh, you know, what you mentioned, they send the private investigators to the cheerleader's house. Um, There were two things that Roger Goodell did not have Dan's back on yesterday. And one was that Roger, you know, was it? No, we told him not to use private investigators. He wasn't, he wasn't going Mm -hmm. about there at all. And number two was Dan didn't tell me about the 2009 settlement. Never came clean about that. Yeah. Neither of those, you know, you mentioned the potential criminality in the, in the congressional thing. I think I view both of those as, you know, violations of league policy as opposed to violations of law. It's just more things they're kind of tired about having to answer for, though. Right. And so 2007 is when Goodell takes over. They revamp the uh, personal conduct policy and they create this higher standard, which on our emergency pod on Tuesday, I talked about with Andrew Brandt because for 10 years as an executive for the Packers, he was subject to it. And yep. it's this this, you know, higher than criminal conduct, you know, kind of idea that if you do something that's bad, uh, and For it's vague shield. on purpose. Yeah, that that you could be subject to penalty under the the conduct policy. I think the other interesting thing about the 2009 accusation and why the the Goodell admission or revelation that he didn't know about it is so important is league policy says if there's a sexual assault investigation, it's supposed to be handled by the league, not by the teams. Yep. And not only was even within the context of that investigation, David Donovan and and that was, I mean. It's bad for so many reasons, and Will Hobson uh, did a good job talking to experts in the field uh, to explain why that was so bad in his piece in the Washington Post. Um, but it also did not follow league policy, and so I don't know how like statutes of limitation work within the NFL league office. But like, if I'm Roger Goodell, um, even even if nothing happened, right? Even if that was 1.6 million dollar settlement uh, over because the insurance company said so, and if you're Dan Snyder and you're worth billions, $1.6 million really isn't that much. I'm still pretty still ticked. Still violates the rules. And, and, and it's, it's absolutely not how that was supposed to be handled. It's not how that was supposed to be handled. You know, the, the other part of it that, that rang hollow to me was Roger Goodell continuing to insist, no, we find him $10 million. He's been sufficiently punished. I, I just don't see in the mounting face of all this evidence how you could possibly consider that to be an appropriate punishment for what happened. And I think that's the biggest takeaway that most people have from yesterday. And by the way, where the biggest disagreement is between Goodell and the committee. Because, I look, was it a political dog and pony show in a lot of aspects Yes, we know it. I think I think the the purpose of this committee is proven and why it's a good idea by all of the investigative work that they've done that's uncovered so much uh, that the NFL investigation, including Beth Wilkinson's, um, did not, including a new sexual assault allegation against Daniel Snyder. But I think where Goodell accepts some of that and is willing to play along ends at the idea that he thinks he's punished Dan Snyder and that there has been accountability and clearly. Uh, the members of the committee, specifically most of the Democrats on the committee, uh, as well as many of the women who participated in both congressional and Wilkinson investigations do not agree with that. And if you're Goodell, like he's put himself in this box. So it's not like I have sympathy for him, but I understand the box that he's in. And what's he supposed to do? Be like, 
yeah, we should probably punish him more. Then you get into double jeopardy kind of stuff. And, right, and that's right, why I that's think Ray some Rice. of these newer things, right. And I think that's why some of these newer revelations that could open him to more punishment, and specifically, obviously, the Mary Jo White investigation are so important moving forward. It's, you know, to to take just a broad 10,000-foot view of this, like, you know, Everything now is in the lens of, will he be made to sell the team? Will he have to give up the team? I don't believe Congress has the power to compel him to give up the team. Uh, I don't believe they would anyway. Um, they're barely going to be able to make him testify. Um, the the only people at this point, I don't think he's walking away voluntarily. I think we both agree on that. Yeah, no, he's he would have to be voted it, out. I, I think the only path to being voted out is 24 owners say we're tired of this. And I just think that, you know, America is is tired of this. We're tired of talking about it. You know, every there's just new revelation and drip, 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 drip. Now, with I think the other owners are very skittish to do that and very afraid to do that. But I, I think certainly we're trending towards the territory of they may have to protect their investment at some point. And this being in the news every day is bad for their investment. So that was something that Andrew said on Tuesday that I thought was fascinating because, like, when you were on on Monday, we talked about this. That and this is I've generally been with you on this. Um, in that the financial stuff is what could get him. Yes. That if that's if, what the owners care about most deeply. Right. And there's the mafia mentality of like do whatever you want, but don't mess with our money. Yeah. Right. But what Andrew said, what was interesting is the money that he messed with, like the allegations of the cookbook specifically, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. That's really not that much to them. And like, yes, it's bad. And principally they could get upset because they mess with the money, but it's like, ah, for, for the rest of us, it's like, you stole 10 cents from me. And that's really not going to bother them that much. But this continual negativity that is hanging around this franchise, bringing the league down that is also costing them money, and it feels like to him that could become the bigger threat if that negativity keeps on pulling on their necks. These guys are not on primetime games anymore. They didn't get picked for Thanksgiving this year. They didn't get a broadcast Thursday night game last year. They were one of those early season, like, get them out of the way on NFL Network cable <laughs> right. games. They're they're not a marquee franchise in any way. They're not, a, they're not moving jerseys. They're not moving tickets. They're not moving eyeballs. And that that's bad for the whole operation because the NFC East has to be your number one driver of value. You've got the, these just incredibly high value teams, Giants, Eagles, Cowboys, the nation's biggest markets, the nation's you know m- biggest fan bases, certainly in the Cowboys, the K- America's team. Anytime they step on the field, it needs to be a potential 430 kickoff. It needs to be a potential Monday night, Sunday night game. And when those teams step on the field against Washington now, it's a Sunday at 1 o'clock game. It diminishes the inventory the, uh, of interesting football. Right, right. Not to mention you're driving fans away, um, all, all the other ways in which that hurts you, but that's such a great point. Um, did you think anything based off of, and it's hard to separate the hearing and the the memo slash the testimony, which sure. I know you've been uh, going through line by line, um, but so I'll just ask it this way. Did anything change yesterday? Did the calculus for anybody with power change yesterday? Well, I, I think that certainly there, the, the issue of the subpoena is relevant and that if he ducks the subpoena for four months, which I think he will, I think it's just it's four months of us talking about the subpoena and you know when's he going to go in and when's he going to testify. Now, if I were Dan Snyder's advisors, if I were on the boat in, in France right now, I would be yelling at him, you don't go testify. Like, we're mm. keeping you on this boat. We're locking you up in the boat until until the elections in November. You're not going out there to testify. There's just It's not going to end well for him. But that's four months of us talking about if he's going to testify or not. Um, I, You know, it's always the little stuff. Um, I think the cheerleader uh, story about, you know, them sending private investigators to their homes. Like, it's stuff like that that... That, that people hear that and it resonates with them way more so than kind of broad, broad brush situations. The, the, the sour milk thing. I mean, let's just call yeah. this what it is. Like, that's the stuff people remember. And that's the stuff that colors people's view of Dan Snyder. And that's what I think that, you know, when they release all of these, uh, these indict or not indictments, they release all of these depositions. Yes. Got to get my legal terms straight. Mother-in-law and would the, not be happy. These are, this is testimony. This is under oath testimony. Right, right. Yeah. And so they release all these and there are stories in there. And to your point, stories are what resonate. And they've been able to tell this story about Dan Snyder. And Snyder has absolutely no credibility when he tries to tell an alternate narrative. And it sounds 
so, and I think this is why people got so frustrated, people who don't regularly watch congressional hearings, which is everybody. Uh, <laughs> for a reason. Right, for a reason. We saw that reason yesterday. Get so frustrated is both questions from both sides and, you know, whether one side had a more valid reasoning or the other is like a separate show, different debate, but like it's the talking points, right? It is so they, they can have the clip to be like, I grilled Dan Snyder. And, and all of that happens. Um, and then all of a sudden Snyder's statement comes out and it sounds exactly like what the Republicans were saying. And it's like, really? Like you can't, you can't be human. Um, and, and you know, to, to the counter of that, like, uh, Debbie Katz and, and that law firm, Elisa Banks, that law firm, who's representing all of these women, their statement comes out and it sounds pretty similar to what the, the Democrats are saying. And so ultimately what it comes down to, and this is this is both micro in this story and macro in politics, is like, who tells the better story? And it seems to me, in part because nobody likes Dan and nobody wants to listen to him, and really everyone kind of hates him, that side is telling the better story. And, and the question is, how does that impact other owners? How does that impact sponsors? How does that impact the type of people and the entities that have power to actually make a change at the top of this franchise? Well, and that's part of why he's trading on Jason Wright's name right now, too, because Jason Wright has a better reputation, has a better, you know, that's why Jason Wright's out in front as the face of the change of the organization and not Dan, because that's that's more plausible, that's more believable. I, I don't want to discount what Jason Wright has done. He's done some very good things over there, to be sure, but it remains Dan at the top of the organization for now. And, you know, we're at the point, we've reached the point in this where you have to say either he's in, or he's out. Like there's, there's no half measures left that would satisfy the out crowd. There's, I don't think, even some kind of like double secret. It's Tanya's team now thing. I just don't know that that would ultimately satiate these people. Um, I, I think it's a full in or out. You, you know, everybody's heard the evidence. And I'll, I'll say to your point about depositions. Um, I think that Dan Snyder had if he had showed up may have had an easier time than now submitting to you know something behind closed doors where they're going to actually ask him questions instead of grandstanding yeah i I didn't think i didn't think that ahead of time i thought there's no way you could you can have that guy go but after watching goodell i mean goodell only had to take 10 hard questions in the span of that two and a half hours right and i don't i think goodell probably gets sympathy because people see some of the political theater crap that happens and they're like because there were times there were good questions asked that he wasn't allowed to answer. And, and you know, I, I got reclaimed my time. And look, I, I don't want to dive. I guess it's better to do this on a podcast than the radio. Uh, so I'll do this on a podcast to get a little deeper. And this is, again, this, this is diving into the politics, but not into in a partisan way. This is just the reality of like how how these hearings work. Both right? sides were creating theater. Right. No question. But it's also a matter of you have members of the House Oversight Committee that are also a member of another committee. And these meetings happen at the same time. These hearings happen at the same time. Katie Porter, for instance, is one of the most recognizable and powerful members of the House Oversight Committee. She's not even there yesterday. Um, you have other members that even said at point, sorry, I'm just getting here. I, whoever, you had one of the members came yeah. in at the very end and, yep. like, and the, the chairwoman was like, hey, uh, we're done because I got to go vote. And she gavels close and goes, I hope I'll make the vote. But because of that, you don't have a coherent narrative. Like as journalists, as people who would love nothing more when we have something to really dive in on, to sit down one-on-one and be like, I will ask questions. I will listen. Yeah. I will respond. I will ask follow-ups. And, and that kind of sequence of questioning, these members who don't have an elevated ex- member or uh, elevated amount of expertise in this particular era, area anyway coming in have their staff work on it. They certainly have principled matters to which they are trying to get answers for, but they might not even be hearing the first part of the hearing to ask a follow-up if they're later in the questioning. So you wind up getting the same questions over and over again, and you wind up, by the way, sometimes getting the same questions asked without Goodell ability or Goodell having the ability to answer. Yes or no? Well, it's a little more complicated than that. Answer the question. And it's yeah. like, we did this 10 minutes ago, and I think it falls really flat if you, fa- if you were watching the entire hearing, and it winds up being a very frustrating thing, which in some way benefits Goodell because he winds up getting sympathy yeah. and empathy, whereas what you're saying is Snyder's not going to have that. Snyder's going to be behind yes, closed doors, and those five-minute rules don't exist there. Yep. And, you know, if you're a Senate or a congressman, too, learn— 
learn what's going on because the, the the person who was pressing him on why don't you get rid of Dan Snyder why won't you commit right. to, to firing Dan Snyder learn learn just right. find somebody find somebody anybody who like I have five minutes with Roger Goodell give me some questions to ask him that will that will reveal some things like right. it, but, it, but even changing that question will you commit to you know, w- working taking with owners to taking, taking a vote. Yeah, will you commit, will you to, commit taking to taking a vote? Taking a vote. Right. You just don't have the the idea, which is why, by the way, not that I think there's a. I mean, who knows? There are certainly Congress people that are giant football fans, maybe Commanders fans, maybe they do listen to this podcast. Uh, Rep. Raskin, if you're listening, uh, Representative Connolly, uh, who did tweet tweet uh, retweet me yesterday, so hey. that was fun. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's listening, right? What I would do in this situation, if there are more hearings, if it's Snyder, if it's whoever, is like find out who is on it, like. Jamie Raskin, super on it. I, there was one of the Republicans who I actually thought asked good questions. Yes. He objected to being there. But he's like, since we're here, tell me more about these accountability measures that the this law firm that you hired uh, is doing post, you know, post sanctions. That's a great and, point. You can be against it and still ask a good question. Right. And so each team pick a captain, so to speak. <laughs> And, like, cede your time to them. Let someone actually ask a coherent line of questions down the road yeah. instead of whatever that was yesterday. That's a political thing, but, like, that would have been a lot more helpful than what we got yesterday. Okay, let's end on a laugh. Actually, yeah. sorry, I have one more thing before ending on a laugh. <laughs> let's the, get depressed again, then. The, the Snyder, Snyder's slash Jason Wright letter and Ron mm-hmm. Rivera's statement last yes. night. What would you make of it? Well, I, you know, Rivera has cast his lot with Dan, and, I, I mean— We've seen so many cycles of this, which is, hey, you know, Dan has changed. Dan has empowered me. And then three years later, or in the case of La Femina, like four days later, the the falling of that cycle of Dan has turned on me. I'm leaving in disgrace now. And, you know, Jason and Ron are clearly still in the early stages of that cycle. And it's a little bit of Charlie Brown kicking the football like they want to believe that they, they know Dan in a way these other people did not. They will be empowered to do things these other people were not. Um, we've seen so many cycles, though, it's hard to have any gear other than cynical when it relates to that. Yes, I agree. Um, I mean, I remember interviewing Brian, extended time when he got there, and he felt like he had it until the second that he didn't. Yeah. And, I mean, I think he saw warning signs early, so I shouldn't say maybe the second that he did it, but he knew it was an uphill battle going in, and I just don't think he realized the, the steepness of the hill. And I think Ron's probably on that path right now. Jason, maybe. Um, I don't know him as well. I have, I have my questions about, you know, the way that some of the things have been handled, Sean Taylor, et cetera, of, like, does he really understand the job that he's supposed to be doing there? Um, but, like... I think the ultimate example of this, and not that this guy's a hero, can't stand him, but if Dan can turn on Bruce Allen, he'll turn on anyone. Bruce was like, the guy. Dan Dan, and Bruce were thick as thieves for a decade, yeah. and then he was like, I need a scapegoat, and Bruce, you're the guy. Yeah. And, and so I, I, the other thing I'll say is this, to the argument that Dan's got to go, um, until Dan's gone, anybody who works for the ma- commanders is someone who will work for Dan Snyder. And uh, I'm just going to leave that there. I think that is, uh, there you go. That, is that is self-explanatory. All right, now we end on a laugh. What's your favorite anecdote? You've gone through all these depositions. There's been some really funny, witty lines. There's been some incredible stories. Some of them are very serious and depressing. There's also some funny ones. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your favorite anecdote oh. from the depositions. All right, it's a serious topic, but the private investigators who visited the cheerleaders, there was um there was a little bit where the cheerleader was like explaining and you know, he he gave me a business card and they said describe the business card and it was well it had his name and then below like it was done on a computer and you could tell because below that where it said write something about your business here, he just left that and the business card said his name and then below that write something about your business here. <laughs> <laughs> Again, if you're doing work for Dan Snyder, <laughs> you're the type of person who would work for Dan Snyder. My my favorite, the sour, the spilled milk one, the sour milk one's getting a lot of attention. Sure. It is one of my favorites, but I do think my favorite is the one that you sent me uh, from Brian Lafamina's <laughs> deposition. Yeah, yeah. Actually, let me yeah, let me pull up. Oh yeah, the uh, the actual thing. Dead. Essentially, he was asked. <laughs> What, like, when you took the job. Yeah, they're asking him about taking the job, and, like, he's talking about how he knows there's a big challenge. Right, so with respect to running a business the right way as it relates to the Washington Commanders, prior to joining, did you believe that they were, in fact, doing so? Brian, I thought there was room for improvement. (laughs) An all-time answer. (laughs) Michael, thanks for doing this. Hey, good talking with you, I promise that we will do football soon. Yeah. If, God forbid, this godforsaken organization allows us to do football soon. 
10 and 7. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> See you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson now with me after our discussion about what happened on Capitol Hill earlier this week. Logan, now we get to have some fun. We've reached the fun part of the podcast. That's, that's what you're, <laughs> you're back for. You're like, hi, it is me. Yeah. I am Logan Paulson. I am Mr. Fun. I'm only here for the fun segments. Yeah. Uh, so we have, I have here a note card, and uh-huh. it is the most low-rent, low-budget version I like it. it's good. of what you see on Instagram and Twitter. and Well, you don't see it on Twitter because you're not there. You've, again, avoided the cesspool. Of, you have $10 to spend on four players, and you know it's like Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, whatever. There's a, a lot of the basketball people do them. Uh, and we've seen it some recently with, with some NFL uh, folks, and we we're like, hey, that's a good idea. We should do that with the NFC East. And yeah. so this note card that I will use to take our notes that is terribly hand-drawn will turn into a nice fancy graphic thanks to our folks at Odyssey Sports. Uh, and so by the time that everyone's hearing this, hopefully there's a good fancy version and our, our uh, selections as well of how we're going to spend our $10. And so basically what we're going to do first is we have to actually set the prices. Right Before we can spend our $10, we have to assign value to each person in the division uh, yep. or each, each unit in the division. We're going to take the top one from each team. And I actually want to start with wide receiver because we can knock it out fairly quickly right. uh, given that we had a large discussion about wide receiver last week. So your number one receiver in the division was C.D. Lamb. C. So D. he's Lamb. going to cost $4. Uh, and then we had uh, A.J. Brown. Brown. And then we had Terry. Terry, excellent. And then we didn't actually talk about Kenny Galladay last week, but he's your top guy for the Giants. He's our $1 receiver. I would put uh, Devontae Smith. I mean, if, if we're ranking them just in order, but if you're, right. going for, if you're going for the Giants, I would say, yeah. Say one, one per team, so Kenny Galladay gets to sneak in. Uh, which <laughs> yeah, limps I will say in. this. Limps it, in. This is the kind of thing that's actually fun about these exercises is – when we go to spend our $10, it becomes part about positional value. Like, oh, man, I feel great if I had – I'm going to spend $4 yeah. on my quarterback because that's the $4 position. But, like, why would you spend $4 if the $3 quarterback is almost as good? And that's the thing with, like, Galladay. is like, Kenny Galladay is a good player. But the yeah. gap between Terry at $2 and Kenny Galladay at 1, I don't think either of us are going to wind up selecting ter- uh, Kenny Galladay. And I, I know we got to hurry up, but I will say Kenny Galladay two years ago in that free agency class was like my number one guy. I thought he had kind of one traits, and then he just has not been able, even that year, which was 2020, was not healthy, mm-hmm. and then last year not healthy. So the injury thing for him and the lack of top-end speed just keeps kind of devaluing him. Go Big Blue. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, quarterback uh, is obviously the most interesting because it's always the most interesting and I think it, you know, it's hard, too, because I'm going to call your bias here. You've gotten to see the best of Carson Wentz a lot over the last couple of weeks in training <laughs> yeah, camp where you're not or in OTAs, and you're not, you're not in Dallas OTAs. You're not in Philly OTAs. Yeah. You've watched all the tape. Like, so we, we will admit on the front end a bias of having a lot more information, especially going into training camp, going into yeah. the summer, um, about all everybody in Washington. But where do you rank... I, I'm guessing it's between Dak and Wentz for the number one spot. Who 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 is our $4 quarterback? Yeah, I would say Dak, but there is some reservation about that. You know, I think he's a guy who's very, like, supporting cast dependent. Like, look at him before Amari Cooper. Look at him after Amari Cooper. Look at him before CeeDee Lamb. Look at him. You know what I'm saying? So 
uh, he does give me reservation, but when you watch him, like he's got like when he's on, he's he's almost elite. You know, like the first eight games of last year, or first six games, I forget what it was. I mean, he looked like maybe the best third, fourth best quarterback in the NFL, and I like that's in there. Hit a little bit of a doldrum, kind of bounce back near the end of the year, but I, I think that you feel good about him being your your best quarterback in the division. All right, I agree with you. Um, and then obviously you have Hertz and Daniel Jones as well as Carson Wentz left. Hertz Hertz showed himself last year. Like, he did. He he really did. I mean, he led them to the playoffs. And and let's also be honest about the fact that Philly chose Hertz over Wentz. That's yeah. that said. Um, Carson and and this is weird for me to say because I have certainly been cool to say the least about the Wentz trade in general. A lot of that is contractual. A lot of that is like what kind of bind it puts you in moving forward. But if we're looking at just like the player ability this year, I would take Wentz, I think, next, assuming that he can stay healthy. And, and that obviously is a big if. But so it, it is also injury has been a huge thing for these other two guys, too. I would put Wentz as the $3 guy. Yeah, the only reason I wouldn't put him there is because of Hertz's running ability. I think that is a value add that doesn't necessarily show up on a stat sheet. Um, but yeah, I would. I mean, and Wentz didn't play bad last year. He played behind a, a banged-up offensive line in Indy and was very productive. I mean, 27 in- interceptions is no joke. Even though he kind of touchdowns, touchdowns, excuse me. And then um, you know, like that's that's nothing to sneeze at. And uh, very productive. You know, obviously had ups and downs, but that's part of who he is, and that's why he's not an elite quarterback. But he can he can be a good quarterback. All right. So then I'm guessing Hurts two, Jones one. Yeah, in terms of the yeah, uh, I like that. the dollar value. Okay, yep. I don't think there's much uh, much to talk about there. All right, running back. This is an interesting position in this division. The Eagles yeah. have a full stable of guys. Who who are we even picking from the Eagles to be their representative? Let's do uh, Sanders. Okay. Sanders, so got Sanders, Saquon, Saquon, uh, Gibson, mm-hmm. and Zeke. Zeke. Or I would actually go Gal. Oh, who's the backup running back there? Uh, Pollard. You Pollard's, Pollard Pollard's, Zeke? Be- Pollard's better than Zeke, but Zeke's the starter. So yeah, and, yeah. and that's you know it's funny because we one of the things we considered in doing this exercise was like, do we do position groups? Do we say the yeah. group of quarterbacks in Washington, the group of running backs in Dallas, the group, the group, the group? We're like, nah, let's just do players. It's easier to put on a graphic. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of more fun. But I, yeah. I think that is an interesting discussion is like the, uh, you know, and, and this is, I guess, part of like when we talk about spending the $10 or I would, I would actually consider doing the group with running backs more than any of these other positions. Yeah, it's, uh... um, because I, in almost every scenario, except for with Saquon, you're not looking at a number one featured back in a traditional right. sense. They are not trying to do that. Even here, where last year they definitely tried to get, um, you know, Antonio Gibson a lot of touches. JD McKissick still had his, and you've been you've talked a lot about how Robinson you expect to get uh, yeah. a lot of touches, a lot of carries this year. So do we want to do we want to mix this up and say, hey, for the I mean, it's, it's our game. Yeah, it's, it's do we want to mix this up and say <laughs> it's the running back group for for all four of these teams? Yeah, let's do that. I like that running back. Uh, yeah, I like that. The running back stable. Okay, so if it's that, we have. Uh, Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York. Who's who's got the best running back group in this division? Oh man, I think that's tough. I think I think because Philly has like three dudes in the backfield that are pretty explosive, and the system that they run. Because this is also a little bit of an offensive line metric, and I think Philly's got the best mm-hmm. O line in the division. So O line, that that amazing offensive line, if they can repeat off last year, and the backs and the kind of stable they've got there, I think is I think I'd go Philly here. Okay. I think I would agree with that. Although this is one that's going to be fun because, you know, you go to how to spend your money. The drop off, I don't think, is massive. No. Um, And and by the way, I I think this is pretty, like, they're not that, depending on Saquon's health, there's not a lot of variance across the division. So I feel like I could actually make an argument for any of the the other three next. I really, really like Pollard, just like you, and I was kind of chuckling saying Zeke. But Zeke still still has some days where he's super productive. Saquon's the best single back in the division. Um, And then went healthy again, but that's also a question. And I love the trio they've built in Washington. Who's going to get our $3 spot here? Um, Again, I would go offensive line. You know, and actually Dallas is banged up at the moment. I think that's probably the safest bet honestly is Pollard and Zeke at at uh, two and by just a nose because I think that 
if Robinson plays the way that I think he's capable of playing, the group here is going to be very, very good. So that would be three. And then just because uh, Saquon's been hurt and because there really is nobody else, you know, as a depth player there, um, I think you feel pretty good about them being the, the last the last group there. So we've ranked three groups so far, and the Giants are dead last in all three. Tight end. Um, well, I think the Giants are going to be last again here. Uh, <laughs> the I'd say... So you got Schultz in Dallas. Yeah, Goddard's the best guy. It, you know what's crazy, though, is after I, I rewatched uh, Logan Thomas' stuff, I think you could make an argument for Logan Thomas 1. I'm just going to go by league consensus because I think Goddard's a better, well-round, like a more well-rounded player, a little bit more experienced. But it is very close between Goddard and Logan Thomas if he's healthy. Are we doing Logan Thomas or what are we doing? Yeah, I would say let's do Logan Thomas. But I actually, so here's the thing with this season, right? Is we don't know exactly when he's going to be back. So I think that solidifies. He's coming off the ACL. Yeah, that solidifies Goddard as the one. I think Schultz is really good too. Schultz is. I mean, he's very. He's kind of sneaky, quiet, good. I just think if you're betting on upside. And like I know, age is a big factor here, but um, Logan Thomas is—he just is—he's got some special, special physical traits that the other guys don't got. He's six six, six six and a half. He's two sixty five. He's got a great athleticism for a man that big, and so I would bet on him over over Schultz, even though I like Schultz a lot. You know what I mean? And part of this yeah. is me trying to devalue certain players so I can get them for cheaper. But again, that's part of <laughs> that's part of the thing here. And then the starter right now on the Giants' depth chart uh, as Evan Ingram departed in the offseason. Ricky Seals-Jones is currently listed as the number one tight end. And then Billinger is the second guy, right? So not even like yeah. a great – I mean, I like Billinger a lot. And I, Ricky Seals-Jones was great last year. But in terms of that being your one guy, not super high on the list, I would say. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day your weekly source for all things Commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so in review, as I read off, we got Dak, Wentz, Hurts, Jones at quarterback. Running back groups, Philly, Dallas, Washington, New York. We got CeeDee Lamb, uh, Brown, uh, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, and Kenny Galladay at receiver. And then we got Goddard, Thomas, Schultz, Ricky Seals, Jones uh, across a tight end. So basically how that works uh, is we take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. We've got this... Uh, chart here that we've we've made of ranking the the players in the division. We're putting together a skill unit. We got ten dollars of salary cap. The best guy in each column is worth four dollars. The next uh, best is three, two, one. So you take one from each column that adds up and is ten dollars. Uh, and we can we can pick the the same guy, Logan. We're not gonna we're not gonna oh, do okay. a draft style. Okay, all so right. it's just how how do we think that we construct the best team? And what's fascinating about this is you also, like, there's two factors at play. One uh, is positional value. Quarterback, super valuable. You know, tight end, all due respect, not quite as valuable, um, but can be. Um, can mm-hmm. be super valuable. But also, like, where's your drop-off level? You know, if, if I, like, the first guy that I'm, I'm circling is like, wait, I can get Terry McLaren for two bucks? Me too. To me, that's like the best value on the board. I'm going to take Terry, and, and that's ha- part of how I'm spending my money, which opens me up to take, you know, do I want Dak Prescott and, yeah. and, and their backs? Or do I even want to, you know, go, all right, I definitely want Dallas Goddard. Well, I got my receiver for cheap, so let me take my tight end. Do you have, do you have a sense of how you want to go here, how you want to build your team? Yeah, I really am just looking for players that I like, and I'm going to try and just balance the budget as best I can, like, 
just as an example, like even though Dak Prescott is the highest graded quarterback on our board, and we both agreed to that, so I was part of that ranking, I don't love him as a player. I don't trust him as a player. So I might even go Wentz or Hurts there and feel better about the decision, or maybe even Daniel Jones. You know, So I, I would, it gives me a lot of flexibility financially if I go really cheap there. So again, like I'm just going to go on players that I like and, and uh, balance this roster out. Okay, let's... Uh... I know. I almost want to like build. I, I like. There's an order that's probably better to just be like, all right, we got our quarterback, we got our this. Do we want to do that, or do we just want to like? I'm filling in Terry at two dollars, and I feel great about it with my first pick. Let's just let's let's try to go by position. Okay. Um, which I know is a little bit hard, but yep. we should let's uh, let's go by position. So, who do you want at quarterback? Are to, you so so we can pick the same guy? I feel like yeah, we, we should, can pick I feel the like same we guy. shouldn't be able to pick the same guy. Like, you can pick first what? for the quarterback, and then I'll pick first for the receiver, and then you pick first for the running back, and then everyone, no one's happy by the end of the thing. Well, that also, oh, man, that comes real tough in, in the, the yeah, salary cap situation. Yeah, dial it in. Let's go. Or do we want to do, this is this is the kind of stuff that's really fun when you work out on the podcast instead of, uh, <laughs> on you know, beforehand. Proof that we didn't pre-pick our teams here, and this is not theater. The other way we could do it, is just like I have the number. We just bounce back and forth. Who's got the number one pick? And like, Ooh, you get to yeah. pick based on value. I like mm. that. Let's go. Let's let's go. Uh, let's do that. Okay. Lock in your value. Let's lock in your value. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to go first? Um, no, I don't want to go first. You go first. Okay, good. Uh, I didn't want to be rude and be like, "Fine, I'm going first. I'm taking Terry McLaurin for two dollars. Terry that's your McLaurin first, is that's off your the first board. pick? That's your first pick. I'm locking in the fact that I'm getting a guy who I think could easily be the best receiver in the division, could be a 1,300 to 1,500-yard receiver if Carson Wentz is healthy, for $2 worth of value. Yeah, and you didn't I'm take, doing you that, didn't take and I feel great about it. You didn't take a quarterback? I feel good with – you can only take one. I feel good with, with one of two quarterbacks, so I feel good about it. That if you, if you make my decision for me, I'll live with it. All right. Well, I could really – Messed you up here from a financial standpoint, I think. I'm going to go Carson Wentz here, I think, okay. is my pick. Carson Wentz. All right. It, it's only fair if uh, – that. Well, is it fair if we snake draft it? I, this is why I hate two-person drafts. Well, I don't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win, so don't worry about it. Okay. All right. I'll go next. So, uh, But now I also know that – yeah. All right. I'm going to go Dak. Um, yeah, you know, you're I'm, – I'm, I'm okay taking – my four dollars on a quarterback that I trust to, you know, be a great leader to yeah. to is be is pretty consistent. His hot streak is, uh, you know, as you said, top five performance level yeah. in the league. Um, I he, I if I had just gotten to take any quarterback, I would have taken Wentz. Um, but I don't feel bad spending the extra dollar on Dak Prescott. Yeah, spend that extra dollar. I mean, when you look at this the Terry value at two dollars is really is huge for you by the way you know what i'm saying that's like, why he's number one pick I, I feel like you're coming around it's huge um so three or three i'm gonna go aj brown for me next pick that's my next okay pick. so you're going to you're going to double double three. double three dollar double three yeah double three dollar i mean right, you so well, you went you I, we're the same thing you went expensive quarterback and terry like I have a receiver that is a little bit, a little bit better than Terry, and a quarterback that's a little bit worse than Dak. So I feel pretty good about that. Okay, that's <laughs> interesting though, because also from like a, a how you spend your dollars, I guess you could now get two two dollar players. I'm I'm kind of looking at the one per category, but you know if you if there's two two dollar players yeah. available for you, and I've already used a two dollar guy. Yeah. Um, I might actually. <laughs> I might actually pick up on your strategy here. I'm going to take the Washington running backs. Oh, I like that unit. I was going to take that thing. All right. I I like the the Washington unit a lot. I I don't as much as I like Pollard. I don't trust Zeke. Yeah. And so there's a little piece of me that's like I think I actually might have gotten it. I think for the value, yeah. I definitely got the better the better group. So I'm going to take the. I I now have. Let's see. I have two dollars remaining, and one pick left. You have four dollars remaining. Two, two picks, picks left. left. And I'm gonna go. Wait, I have four dollars remaining. You said you have four dollars yeah, remaining. remaining. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Logan Thomas, uninjured Logan Thomas, or what are we doing there? 
Injured Logan Thomas? I mean, he's he's injured, but it it is what it is. Uh, so if, he's, if, I mean, if, we'll, 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 for our purposes, we'll say you get him for the full season. Okay, get him for the full season. Logan Thomas is what I'm going to do there. Okay, so that means you have your last pick is kind of made for you. Yeah, uh, and I don't and love you're it. Gonna, but I don't love backs. You're, you're going to take the New York Giants backs, yes. running backs. Yes, yep. Uh, I have two dollars remaining, and I need to take a tight end, and I will. I guess I could take Ricky Seals Jones and have one dollar left over, but why yeah. would I do that when I could take Dalton Schultz? Yeah. So I'll take Schultz. So my team is Terry, Dak, the Washington running backs, Terry McLaurin, and Dalton Schultz. Your team is Carson Wentz, uh, AJ Brown, the New York Giants running backs, and Logan Thomas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You still feel like you got the better team. I do feel like I have the better team, and I'll explain why. So what was your last one? Who's your tenant? Schultz. I like Schultz a lot. Schultz. Should have gone Schultz. Old Schultzy. Old Schultz. Should have gone Schultz. Probably would have saved myself a little bit of money. But okay, so basically, I think I think AJ Brown is probably the steal of this draft, and the reason I think that is because you get a guy who is an elite number one ish type guy, but you're not paying the full four full four full four dollar value for him. And you see what he did for a guy like Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee in terms of elevating him in the past game. And obviously everyone knows about Derrick Henry's uh, ability to elevate uh, Ryan Tannehill, but I think they often forget about A.J. Brown's contribution to that. A guy who is kind of someone you can always look to is going to win versus multiple different coverages. And I think that's just going to elevate a guy like Carson Wentz and probably the best receiver Carson's played with in his career. You know, and when you think of it like that, I think that puts you in a pretty good situation. I think you could say, oh, well, what about Deshaun? What about Alshon Jeffrey? And I think A.J. Brown right now, with a long runway ahead of him, is better than both those guys. And he's never had that guy who can win deep, win in the short area. Again, and Logan Thomas, everyone talks about Carson Wentz's inability to kind of be pinpoint accurate and kind of spray the football all over the field. Uh, and not all over the field, but in terms of targeting, you know, you know, two yards this way, two yards that way. Logan Thomas has an outstanding catch radius, can win, again, in multiple situations. Is a matchup mismatch against linebackers, which he's going to get a lot of, mismatch against safeties because of the size, red zone threat. And, you know, the New York running backs, I don't love them. I said that already, but I think that when you've got a guy with the upside of Saquon Barley, Bar- Barkley for a dollar, I'll take that. So, you know, like I feel like pretty good about my team. <laughs> And um, I don't feel quite as good about your team, to be quite honest. So here's, here's where I'm at with my superior team. Uh, Dak's a distributor. And by the way, can distribute for big plays. We've seen Cooper make big plays. We've seen Gallup make big plays. We've seen CeeDee Lamb make big plays uh, with Dak Prescott at the helm. But he's also a guy who can get the ball out quick. You know, we talked uh, when we did our receiver breakdown last or on Monday about the ability to get the ball out quick to those quick smoke routes for CeeDee Lamb. I've been waiting for Terry McLaurin to have a quarterback like that for three years, and he hasn't really had it. And now to have a guy in my hypothetical uh, drafted team here that can get him the ball consistently, I think that unlocks Terry McLaurin. It's why I took him number one, why I think he was the best singular value on the board. But you also have Gibson. You also have, like, you see what he's done with Pollard. You see what he's done with Zeke, especially with a younger Zeke. Like, Gibson's got that pop. Uh, McKissick's got that pop. Uh, and, you know, Dak and Schultz already have a great relationship. He's been very productive. I think he just signed a pretty decent contract yeah. uh, to be rewarded for his uh, his production. So I feel like I've got a quarterback who can distribute and a bunch of weapons who are worthy of being distributed to. So that's I feel very good about my team. So what I'll say to you is I think I don't disagree that, about Dak, but I do think that you're making a comparison between Terry and CeeDee Lamb that is favorable to Terry and maybe somewhat unrealistic. I think Terry's excellent. We've talked about how much I like Terry, but I also think that uh, CeeDee Lamb's ability in the short area is kind of the thing that makes him elite, and Terry, while very good, is not CeeDee Lamb in that specific category, right? Sure, but how, how does uh, Terry compare to Michael Gallup, who just yeah. earned himself a gigantic contract yeah. based off his production in Dallas? Well, I'll have to I watch pretty favorably. I'll, I'll have to watch Michael Gallup and let you know how that goes. But so, again... Uh, I think, I think, and again, I think Prescott is a good football player, but he's so cast dependent. Now, I think where you got really sneaky here, really sneaky, Craig, is with the Washington backfield because you've got a guy who is like a receiver and a mismatch nightmare in, in uh, McKissick. Gibson's a very good runner. 
but also has kind of some big play potential. And then you've got um, Brian Robinson, who I think is kind of this pounding, more cost-effective version of Ezekiel Elliott. And I really like that because it gives you some other passing options that I don't get because that backfield is so deep. I personally think Schultz is good, but I think Logan Thomas is better. And I think I think right now we're arguing about who elevates who, whether A.J. Brown elevates Carson Wentz or Terry elevates Dak Prescott. And I don't think that when you look at that and look at the cast that Terry's had, Amari Cooper, former, former first-round pick, CeeDee Lamb, first-round pick, that cast has been elite, and I'm not sure Terry kind of by himself would meet that pedigree of player in the same way that Prescott's uh, used to. So that's not an indictment of Terry. That's an indictment of Dak. And I think, you know, A.J. Brown is a true number one receiver, and Carson Wentz has those elite traits. It's just about can that number one receiver make him better. The fans are going to like mine better because I, I have Terry. Well, I, I, I'm, again, just, I'm hamming it up for the fans. Again, again. I also actually, by the way, I genuinely believe that I have. I, I, I genuinely believe in what I did. I did not do it for adulation, but I'm also going to get the adulation, and that excites me. Well, so first, I mean, come on. I mean, I think everyone agreed that when Terry was a $2 value, like, that's that's where you want to go. I didn't understand how significant it would be, you know, for the whole shape of the draft in terms of money. Just getting a really good football player for $2, it sounds crazy. But if you can do that, like, that's what you want to do. That's why all these rookie deals and these draft values are so important because, like, it allows you to keep a guy on the roster at a deflated price for a long time, which is essentially what Terry's been doing for the last, what, three, four years here. So, again, Correct. that's, like, that's why he's such a value. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you're higher on Prescott, I think, than I am, which is why this is not as good. Which is funny because, like, I'm not the biggest Dak fan in the world. I just... I don't know. I, I, I think what it actually is, is like I'm higher on Terry. Like we're not like we're far off, but I am higher on Terry. I don't know. I'm I just maybe I'm a sucker for like all the intangible stuff, but like I I believe in what that guy can do with better quarterback play and I think it, the ceiling's really high and if you pair him and Dak together, I think that pairing is a better use of six dollars than Brown and Wentz together. Obviously, you think the other way. I mean, which is why you went that way. I and have I went to make that way. argument because I pick them. But I do think, like we <laughs> talked about this on your last on our last show, is just how much better Terry is if he's got good starting quarterback play. And Dak has shown stretches where he's better than good starting quarterback. He's almost elite. So that is kind of a scary thought, thinking back to all those plays where you know the timing's a little off with Heineke or the ball's a little late. Like Those aren't going to exist with Terry necessarily if Dak's playing quarterback, and you're going to get a much more productive version of him. And then all of a sudden, if we have to revalue this class a year from now, you know, if we were to revisit this, but Terry might be the number one receiver coming out of this you know, because of like the support that Dak gave him, you know what I mean? So that's interesting. Um, and we didn't draft a second wide receiver, which would make this even more interesting because it then it's like, can, can Terry be that true one without anybody helping him? But I don't think that's how it would go because you save so much money on Terry with $2. You could probably get another guy there that would help him out a little bit, you know, like Gallup or Galladay or whatever. Right. Well, so that's the interesting thing, too, is like if we were to redo this and do like wide receiver groups like we did the running back groups, like does it really change that much? Um, The Giants are still last. Uh, You have Lamb and Gallup. Gallup's coming off an ACL, Mm -hmm. um, but they lose Cooper, obviously, in the offseason. But Lamb and Gallup are like the the big names in Dallas. Uh, You have Brown and Smith. I think probably that flips. Brown and Smith become... The four dollar value. Well, if if you're drafting the Washington receiving core, you get Curtis yeah, Samuel. Or do they become the the four dollar with you, Samuel and you know yeah, Jahan? I, I think that's like the way. And again, we have some we have information that other people don't have in terms of access. But Jahan looked has looked really good. Curtis has looked very very good. And you know Terry's been the one who hasn't been here. But add him and his past production to that mix, and that might be that might be the best receiving core in the NFL. I talked to Santana Moss about this recently, and he just basically said, like, I want to give it to them, but they haven't shown me they can do it yet, and that would be the only thing keeping them from that number one seed. So I think if I had to rank them, it would probably be Philly, right? Philly over CD and Gallup, I think, at this point? What do you think? I I think with Gallup coming off the ACL, a speed guy who, like, and he's got a chance. I I don't 
know the latest prognosis on him, um, but like he injured that pretty late in the year. Yeah. So he might miss, and at the very least, even if he is back, not be like back back to himself yeah. for almost the entire year, um, if not at least a good portion of it. So I, I feel like with Smith, the rookie year that he had that was impressive, you come back in year two with A.J. Brown. I mean, some of their other guys are, are nice like pieces like as Jaylen, well. Like Jalen Rager's uh, not yeah, a bad. He's a former yeah, Rager's, first round pick. But again, yeah, Rager's not nothing. Pony. Yeah. So. But if he's your third guy, um, I, I think that that's probably the – they probably go ahead. But until I see, until we see Jahan and until we see Curtis stay healthy, yeah. I think it's hard to put Dallas – or sorry, put Washington above Philly. Yeah, I would agree and with maybe, that. And maybe – I would be willing to put them above Dallas the uh, depending on Gallup's health. Yeah. Um, that, but like, again, that, that's kind of the fun part of all of this. And, and in some ways it's like, of course, this exercise is for building the team and the fun debate and whatever, but it also is like a different lens through which to examine yeah. the teams in the division. And I think what you realize is that there are so many questions in important places and that sometimes we spend all this time on film and breaking this scheme down and, how does this guy, whatever. And it just comes down to availability sometimes. Like sometimes the secret to winning in the NFL is having your guys available when the other dudes are hurt. And that's not very fun to talk about. It's not very sexy. It's not very exciting. But when you look at, I mean, even the the tight end group with Logan Thomas, you look at Gallup in the wide receiver group with, with Samuel and his injury history um, with Terry. And like, is he going to hold out? Like the availability is going to be, and and not to mention these quarterbacks who all have had varying injury level concerns, Mm -hmm like who's available is going to determine who wins this division because at least amongst the teams not named the Giants and you and I like some of the things the Giants did but at least amongst the teams not named the Giants the talent gap is is pretty like there's not a big one there's actually a, a fairly small talent gap and I think the interesting thing about this conversation is it really comes down to kind of the unsung heroes of the NFL at the moment which is offensive and defensive line offense and then defensive play just in general because they're the ones that have to contend with all these skilled players and the offensive line is the one that gives the quarterback a platform from which to execute the offense and we've seen how poor offensive line play can totally shanghai games i think the most kind of recent example of that would be the kansas city chiefs against tampa bay buccaneers in the super bowl two years ago right where patrick mahomes who is maybe the best quarterback in football and uh kelsey who's maybe the best um maybe the best tight end, Terry Kill, maybe the best receiver. They couldn't do anything because the offensive line couldn't hold up. So where do those offensive lines rank, I think, is interesting. And I think that is actually closer than people think, too. I think Philly's kind of far and away the number one at the moment. And then Dallas is a little banged up. They've got some interesting pieces. Tyler Smith is a rookie guard who's very raw starting for them at, at right guard, which is kind of crazy to think about. And then, obviously, the reworked offensive line for the commanders will be interesting. And then the, – and then, Sneaky in the offseason this year is the Giants, who drafted uh, Evan Neal Mm -hmm. and then Kayvon Thibodeau. And that group of the front four for the defense and the front five of the offense looks drastically different. And maybe that that elevates Daniel Jones, which is entirely possible. So, again, like all these variables are so fun to kind of talk about at this point of the year. Right, right. Um, And, by the way, the reason we didn't do O-line was very simple. This game only works if you have, like, (laughs) an even number of options. And so without a fifth team in the division, we would have had to create some wild card category. You can't really do 15 and yeah. it's just, it wouldn't have worked. So, uh, so I would say that, or we're not great enough to figure out the map. Yeah. If you guys have possible. suggestions, definitely reach out to Craig on Twitter and we can work the O line. Yeah. And it's definitely something we wanted to talk about, but we just couldn't, we're not smart people. So it's not, I'm not smart people about thing. I'm not smart about things not related to football. Usually. So I'm not smart when it comes to math. Yeah. That's like, fair. Straight up. I'm a, I'm a broadcast journalist, broadcast degrees, not a lot of math classes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ways to reach me, uh, so big announcement that we made earlier today on the Team 980. Uh, I am uh, now doing afternoons on the Team 980. Uh, the Hoffman Show launches on Monday, uh, June 27th. 
Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to do it. We'll have a great rotating cast of contributors. Logan, certainly uh, amongst them. And I am very excited to take on this opportunity. I'm excited that everyone that's been with the station is staying with. So Russell and Medhurst will shift to nine to noon. Uh, Reese will still be noon to three. Kevin's still in the morning. And then I'll be afternoons three to six. One of the things I'm going to do, Logan, is uh, I'm going to switch up the Twitters. Uh, I'm going to keep my personal account kind of as a a place where I tweet about the stuff that I want to, but if you want like most of my sports takes, they're going to be at an account, uh, Hoffman show, which is live as of now. Cause I will have, uh, by the time this, everyone is hearing this, this, this will have been pushed out into the universe. Uh, so instead of tweeting, uh, at Craig Hoffman, as usual, if you want to get your takes in and I'll put up the graphic that we make so you can make your own team and all that kind of stuff. And we'll, we'll go through some of the feedback on, uh, maybe we'll make that our mailbag Monday on Monday. Yeah. Uh, everyone tearing apart our teams and our ability to do math. Uh, you can tweet me at Hoffman Show. So H-O-F-F-M-A-N-S-H-O-W, at Hoffman Show on Twitter. Instagram stays in the same. I'm not doing a separate show Instagram. Uh, at Craig underscore Hoffman. Logan's on Instagram, at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, we'd love for you to subscribe to the Hoffman Show podcast uh, through the Team 980s, all the same places that you find this podcast. You can find that one. And, of course, if you're not subscribed right here to Take Command, please do so you do not miss an episode. It's for your benefit, not ours. I'm okay, maybe a little bit of ours, but it's definitely for your benefit to subscribe. Uh, with that, we'll see you on Monday, a mailbag Monday. Uh, never know who's going to show up. we got some big stuff planned for the near future. Uh, until then, hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for listening to Take Command.